This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Last month, we introduced you to the Sour Castle in KCK and what a landmark it was and what a landmark it could be again. But there's somebody from the outside who was well involved in the Sour Castle that won't let it grow. Here's the second part of our story and our look at the Sour Castle. Well, last month we talked about kind of the history of the Sour Castle, where it came from, and and, and how it got to, to be, I guess, in the center of, again, controversy for you, Diane, which yep. follows you around all over Kansas City. We got up to the part where it was sold for a what, third or fourth time, this time back to the Sour family. And it turned out to be a pretty shady deal for, for a, I, I made that shady deal, but maybe a bad deal. It wasn't what it was all mm-hmm. cracked up to be for the family to rebuy this castle, was it? Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say it again. John Lewis, good trouble. I'm getting into good trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you're welcome, Quentin Lucas. I'm on the other side of the state line. You're welcome. Um, yes. So Carl Lopp is the great-great-grandson of Anthony Sauer, who built Sauer Castle in 1873. And so he had grown up, this gentleman had grown up in Prairie Village, Kansas, and then went off to New York City. His whole family kind of ended up in New York City. And he ended up making a lot of money in the telecom industry, which is significant because the guy was kind of a socialite in New York. I'll say Uh it that way. You know, if you look back, if you Google him, you could see some pretty fun Getty images of him at different events in, in New York. So, I mean, he was jet set and I'll say that. So it looked like a perfect situation. A guy who had money, mm-hmm. who was a, it, he loved uh, collecting cars and things, which I'm like, oh God, I hope he didn't pull par- Paul Barry with the 1902 Stanley Steamer but, right. <laughs> <laughs> inside the home. But in any case, he buys the home with the intent that he is going to restore it and he is going to live in it. And the house was livable. You could live inside of it at the time. I mean, it was absolutely inhabitable. You know, plumbing, electrical, that stuff worked. Everything was fine. Right. So he buys it. And then everybody just kind of sees nothing happen. This is in 1988. He buys it. So, you know, he makes his money in the telecom industry in the 80s into the 90s. He, like, it big, like one of the big things he did was the dock and talk. Like, you know, how you can talk on speakerphone or have your phone pick up. And I mean, stuff today that you're like, and we have phones, like iPhones. Yeah, <laughs> so right. it's a little outdated now. 
outdated but, now, but back then it was on, on, then, kind of on the, on the cutting edge. When you say yeah. people are wondering what he's going to do with this, who, who's wondering this stuff? What people are out here wondering what's going to happen? The nosy neighbors, the city, like, like who, who's out here wondering or, and, and really cares what somebody's going to do with what at that time is, is private, uh, you know, kind yeah, of, I mean, nobody's going to wonder what the house down the street's going to go for or do when, when they sell it. So why is everybody so worried about this one? I wonder if it would have been different. It's a good question, Bob. Um, had (laughs) you're always full of the insights. Um, if you look at the neighborhood and just drop a Google at 935 Shawnee road and Google map it and drive yourself on the streets, it's bungalow, 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 couple bigger houses, bungalows and all this, that house stood out. Unlike any other, if you would have dropped Tower Castle into the Northeast neighborhood, like Gladstone Boulevard, Benton, something like that, it would have kind of just blended in. Mm-hmm. This thing does not blend in. It is in, in a good way. You know what I mean? Yeah, it sure. It stands out. It's completely unique to Wyandotte County and really to Kansas City because of its significance. So people were always like, what's going to happen now? And the neighborhood especially is a very, I'm not saying isolated at all. They're just a very, uh, I'm not, they're not even really transient. They just, you know, there's people that lived in the neighborhood 40, 50 years that are, you know, like, what's going to happen now? Yeah, kind of so the nosy always, neighbor syndrome. Yeah, yeah. And, but, but rightfully so, because yeah. this place, you know, they could say, where do you live? Kansas City, Kansas, near Sour Castle. Oh, yeah, I know that place. I mean, it's a, it's a landmark. Right, sure. So, yeah. So it seemed like a great fit. Like, I can see, even when, you know, I kind of replayed the saga from researching, I was like, I could see why this seemed like the best thing ever. So he buys it. But a lot of times when family gets involved in something that seems like a great fit, it isn't necessarily mm-hmm. a great fit. And, and I'll use the the kind of the the, the avenue that I'm in in, in, in sports. And, and I look at like some of these ownerships that when the father dies and the family mm-hmm. takes over, it turns into a big show. Like they don't know what they're doing. The Denver Broncos are kind of going through it right now where the family's fighting with each other. And it's not necessarily yeah. the best for the organization, if you will, to have the family still involved. It may be best to have somebody from the outside. 100% understand where you're coming from, but there's there's a big difference. And I'm going to tell you right off what it is. There's a difference between inheriting and then coming back around and then showing interest after the fact. And buying. Yes. You're and using buying. your own money. You're not, yeah. you're not just getting you it. You just inherit it. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, oh, I grew up with it. It's always been in my family. It belongs to me rightfully. This right. was a man who, you know, allegedly gave money to purchase something because he wanted to keep it into the family. That was right. his reasoning. I mean, so it, it's a little different. Like he shows initiative. He lives in New York and he's buying this house now. So he buys this home and it sits vacant for the most part. He has caretakers that kind of watch out for it. Now, what also happens at this time, this is in the eighties into the nineties is he's not just buys that, but he also starts kind of collecting property around it. Mm-hmm. So he owns, he buys back the old wine cellar. That was a two story home at one point where Cadillac man lived. <laughs> And then he buys the house next door at 945 Shawnee Road, which also was a family property. So it looks like, you know, and then another little strip of land. So he ends up having a significant more acreage in this area. But then also you see a house on one of the properties starts falling apart, like an old duplex now is boarded up and just sitting there waiting to probably be lit on fire. Mm -hmm. Like it's now uninhabitable. Wasn't that way when he bought it. So people in the neighborhood start buzzing. And then also, not, you know, Wyandotte County starts paying attention. Like, this doesn't look good. 
I mean, it doesn't look good for their city. It doesn't look good for the neighborhood. Right. It's starting to be a blight situation. And he wasn't living there, though. He just owned this. He just owned it. And he'd come back into town in the 90s and he would stay inside the castle from when I, well, that's what he told me, which is a whole different story. But uh. Uh, so he, he would come back into town. He would supposedly stay inside of it. And I actually believe at one point that was probably true. Once um, or twice. Yeah. So his, 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 his uh, we talked about this before. Eva his Eva Sauer Perkins Mm -hmm. is going to be Anthony Sauer's daughter. And then she had a daughter named Eva (laughs) and Eva had moved to Texas and Eva's granddaughter, Victoria. I talked to her. This is Carl, the one who owns it. It's his mom's first cousin. So we're talking Uh like family, right? Right, right, right. I talked to her and she's like, Oh, I came into town in 1990s, 1996. And I, I went to visit the, you know, obviously Carl's like, I want to show you the castle. And he has a, a reputation for whenever he's showing off his property, he throws on a cowboy hat with a feather in it. It's his uniform. It is his costume. I, 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 it, that's just how it is. So you ever see it in the past, Carl on TV, Carl, what, he's always got his, his, his cowboy hat on with feather. Um, and so he, he, he's given him the tour, but he doesn't show him upstairs. And Victoria is watching this and her mom is still alive, you know, mm-hmm. and her mom is like totally brokenhearted that it had fallen into the condition it had. Mm-hmm. And even Victoria said to Carl, Carl, what are you doing? This is a disaster. This is not good. They, they toured the smokehouse fallen down, chicken coop fallen to the ground wine cellar falling to the ground wasn't like that when he bought it but it's amazing as you know and that you know because you own a property i own a property you know i own a home it doesn't take long for your yard to get out of control you know what i mean it really does not take long at all like oh i'll get to that corner of my yard later and then two years later you're like i have seven trees growing over here i mean it does not take long so in the case carl i think underestimated the power of nature Uh and the power in, in the power of the dollar because this it did not take long for the elements to take over because he didn't keep up on it. So this becomes a a, a real contention in the neighborhood. So in 1996, August, 1996, a caretaker, because, you know, he had to somebody live on the property to scare people away. So he wasn't living there full time. He was still in in New New York. York So he just literally owned the property and kind of left it for dead. And eventually plans are to maybe sell it off and make money and have him bulldoze this entire property. Like it was a money making thing for him, obviously. Well, you say that. I actually don't know if that's true. I really think in his head, he he has the intent. He thinks he's doing right. Yeah. his intention is not for the castle to fall down. I really believe that it's not for the land value or anything like that. I, I don't, I cannot, I, I do. I have a lot of education, Bob, but I do not have any psychiatry, psychology training to figure out what's going on here. But I mean, his caretaker is charged in 96 with taking $30,000 in property, antique chandeliers, wall sconces, original items of the home. So great. Good job, Carl. You just lost a bunch of property. You know, wonderful. Mm-hmm. But he's also known, and this has to be said specifically, he's also known to play the tax game. And this is very significant to the story. So the property tax game. I did not know this because I pay my property taxes yeah. <laughs> through my mortgage. But I think he paid you know, cash for this. So there is no mortgage on the property. So you have three years before they'll put your property up for auction. 
So if you don't pay your taxes, you have about three years. And then if you walk in on the day before the auction and you pay your taxes, it goes off the auction. This is the over, this happens every three years. I'm telling you every single three years, the house is up for auction. Carl Lopp walks in, pays the bill, just the minimum he can get by with. Not all, just the minimum. This guy, of course, had money. So we're not right. sure why he's doing this. So he, he plays the property tax game, which, of course, irritates the city. <laughs> right. I'm sure it does. So yeah. In the 1990s, Wyandotte County slaps the house unfit for habitation and also some other fines on Carl. So in 1997, he's found guilty of two housing court violations and is actually sentenced to probation. And he has to pay the back taxes and come up with a formal plan to restore the home. And a bench warrant's issue because guess what? He doesn't follow through. So he's out in New York doing his thing. So in 1998, this is actually really sad, in June 1998, he comes home because his mother had passed away. And he's at the wake. And the Wyandotte County, they came and arrested him. Oh, my at, God. At his, yeah, at his mom's wake. Uh-huh. I, oh, like, that's brutal. That's, I mean. But if you need to get this guy and he's not and doing he what he's supposed here. to be doing, he doesn't live here and you know that he's here. I mean, you, you, you got to do what you got to do at that point in time, right? So, I mean, I guess it goes out to everybody. Pay your tax bill on time. So what happens? This guy gets arrested at his, at his mother's wake. Does he go to jail? Does he bail himself out? What? what yeah, what he, he's able to go to the funeral the next day. So he gets out, but he, he files an appeal and the lawyer insists he's going to fix the castle. Okay, uh-huh. Now, remember, we're 10 years into the game. 98. Right. He bought the house in 88. So he starts picking up the land around it. And then what happens in 1999, a guy named Dan Reitman, um, he and he's uh, uh, works in restoration. He kind of approaches the city and says, I got an idea. I really want to restore our castle. This is a blight situation for you guys. I think it'd be cool if we restore the property, open a winery, build some bungalows surrounding it and redevelop the area. Mm-hmm. And of course, the city's like on your on your dime, like, yes, yeah, <laughs> let's do sure. this. Yeah. So it, it, here's the kicker though. And you can imagine where the pro you can already see where the problem is going to come in. It's a 41 acre redevelopment plan. Carl Lopp only owns 10 or so acres. So you're talking about not just condemning the area of the castle. You're talking about condemning part of the neighborhood and taking yeah, where people control. are living. Right. Yeah. Right. There's the problem, right? You can't just do that. You can. Oh, you, you can. can. <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, especially in Missouri. At the I time, guess, you know what? When we were in, in Boston a couple of weeks ago, they talked about how, you know, they did that in the city of Boston in order to get the area to be developed the way that they wanted. They just started yep. going around and condemning people's homes and telling them that they were unfit to live. And sorry, you got to move. And I was like, God, I never heard of anything like that before. Yeah, it happens a lot. It's happened in St. Louis. It's happened in Kansas City, uh, especially on the east side. This happens a lot on the east side, as you know, which goes into, you know, how sometimes people think that uh, certain classes of individuals are targeted for this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> they wanted to pull eminent domain on the property. They, the revenue they were going to use, a TIF fund, so again, tax incentive program to kind of re- make the w- road wider. If you go up there, the road's pretty narrow and sewers aren't there. You know, it needs, it, it, it's the typical, you know, older neighborhoods everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were going to pull eminent domain on Carl and to the people around him, which eminent domain is, a, it, that is a constitutional right. Okay. You can pull eminent domain. So that's been fought in the Supreme Court all over the place. 
eminent domain essentially says, for those that don't understand what it is, it says that if the property is taken, it has to be used for purposes of whatever it's. And now that's where it gets a little, the government can take it if they give you the, the retail value of the property, if you will. And they can redevelop it how they want. And it depends on state laws of what they can do. So Missouri's different than Kansas. And at the time in Kansas, you could take it and sell it to a private owner. So they could take the property and sell it to Dan Reitman, who wanted to redevelop the area with the TIF funds and all of that. Well, you can imagine this makes Carl Lop a little nervous. The guy's got a formal plan (laughs) and he's approached the city. The city is like on it. And he's like, oh, this isn't going to be good. So Carl had come to town, right? And he, in 1999, and said he was going to, you know, he promises he's going to fix the castle. And, and what really ends up happening is, is pretty interesting. Unfortunately, the plan with the redevelopment fell through. There was some funding issues. I mean, government, right? So who right. knows? Well, shockingly <laughs> that there's something that fell through with somebody <laughs> trying to redevelop something, right? That requires like money and time and planning. Yeah. Yeah, so it fell through, which is unfortunate, really, to the demise of this property. But what ends up happening, very interestingly, is that he had to come up with a plan to restore the castle. That was the court's findings. You want to keep it, and you don't want us to do eminent domain. You don't want us to find another plan for this. You got to fix the castle. So Carl's in high gear. He hires A.L. Huber, general contractor, to do the work, which is a very interesting development for me. When I find this out, I was like, Oh, well, that's interesting. It just so happens I know the president and CEO of A.L. Huber, Augie Huber. He's an old family friend. Mm-hmm. And so I, call, I called up Augie and I was like, can you tell me a little bit about what happened with Carl Lopp? You were starting to repair the property. He's like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love when conversations start that way. Oh, boy, can I tell you? Let me tell like, you about this guy. Got a minute? <laughs> yeah. Which was great because it's nice to hear insight and for someone to remember this. And Augie is one of the smartest guys I know. For him to remember this whole thing. And of course, Sour Castle is significant. He'd remember that. But mm-hmm. remember how this all unfolded 20 plus years later and tell it like, like it was yesterday. Tells you how significant this was. So A.L. Huber develops a plan. The plan, I mean, from what Augie told me, was to structurally, you know, repair the castle, interior, exterior, and and all of that. What Carl's main concern was at the time was vandalism, Mm -hmm. which I find really interesting considering the main vandal here is the owner itself. (laughs) So in any case, his big concern was vandalism. So he had said and lamented the city wouldn't let him put a fence up and yada, yada, yada. So one of the first things he wanted to do was it was put up a fence and not like a wrought iron, beautiful fence to match the property, but a chain length, green, ugly, eight foot, 10 foot fence. So A.L. Huber puts in the, you know, and this is in 2000, beginning of 2000, they put in a, you know, a permit to put up a fence and it's approved. And I'd like to point out while I'm thinking of it, it's the only permit that's ever been pulled on that property since Carl Lopez owned it was for a fence. For a fence. That's all I got to say there. Mm, just digest. So the other part of what A.L. Huber was going to do, uh, it, it, you know, from what Augie told me was that instead of repairing everything at once, you know, like, which is what you should just go big or go home. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, you know, things are starting to get dire. Just repair the place. Everybody will be off your back. 
You know, everybody would be thrilled to see this end up in a happy ending. Instead of doing that, he wanted to tackle a job at a time. So the fence was the first thing. The second thing was repairing the front porch. There's beautiful porches with ornate woodwork and they were falling apart. So there's a front porch to the west side of the house. And so Augie got um, a, 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 you know, you have to be a master woodworker to recreate this beautiful carving and fix the front porch. Well, about a couple weeks into the job, two, three weeks, Carl stops paying. Of course he does. Because that's what he does. Because he doesn't pay his bills. Or in, I should say, historically speaking, Carl does not pay his bills. That's does this man have is. money or is he a charlatan? Well, he, we, I'm going to say this. At one point, yes. At this point, I will show you how we know he had at least some money or he could have pulled money somewhere else. So in 2000, Augie's like, I had to pull my guys off the job. I can't take any more risks. So it took four years that Augie had to take, or A.L. Hubert took Carl to court. It took four years for them to get their money after attorney's fees, et cetera, and all the work halted on the property. Why Wyandotte County didn't intervene at this point is beyond me. I don't have the answer to that, but I can tell you that the law changed around the same time. Um, and the law changed to say, instead of being able to pull eminent domain on a property and take it and sell it to a private person or private entity, now in Kansas, in order to pull eminent domain, it has to be for a public purpose, meaning that they would have to buy it and maintain it, like, and keep it. Yeah. That's where the it gets hairy, right? Well, just so you know, you were asking, did he have any money at the time? Well, I found record that that same year that he was not paying Carl Lopp, or Carl Lopp wasn't paying A.L. Huber, he was showcasing his red 2001 Ferrari 550 Barchetta, which retails now, that car, a 2001 retails now between $300,000 and $400,000. Holy crap. So ask me again if he has the money. So does he have the money to do this? Yeah, he clearly has the money to do this, but he doesn't want to spend the money to do it. Oh, he had the money to do it. I don't really see evidence that I don't see. I see a lot of selling of these in uh, these different cars. Um, He doesn't have that car anymore. I can't, I cannot, I I don't know Carl Lopp's personal financial situation, but I can tell you that he at one point had the money and chose not to use it to restore the home. That's all I can say. Right? And so, so where is this guy now? As we sit here in, in present day, I mean, we're talking 2004. He's going to court. He's paying Al Huber the money that he owes him. Then he's driving around Ferraris. Here we are in 2021. The house is still standing there. People are going like, "What the hell?" Yeah. So, um, really, there there was very few developments except for the three year tax game. That's when it would hit the news. You want to own a castle, and then mm-hmm. he'd pay part of the sale. So what happens is in April of 2020, he's on that three-year property tax game. He has 28 property violations at the time for two years of, you know, not mowing, not repairing, not doing, failure to uh, register a vacant property. Like they are fining him. Right. Okay. Tax sale is delayed because of the pandemic. So it's rescheduled for December 10th of this past year. And I have written about this and I'm going to kind of back up for a second because I think it's important for me to explain that in September, I had written in 2020, I had written about the property for the newspaper Mm -hmm. for Martin City Telegraph. And I said that the reason the castle was in the condition it was because of the negligence of the owner. That's what I said. Yeah. I mean, that's the conclusion I drew as a historian and as a, you know, a person with a brain. <laughs> that's what I decided. Yeah. Well, uh, Carl was not happy about 
that assessment. I had tried reaching out to him. He did not reply to anything that I had sent him messages and, and tried calling the company he owned that went to no voicemail, nothing. Um, and he contacted my editor and said that, uh, I, that what I said was not true. And he wanted to prove me wrong. And so he invited my editor and I to go to the property and see it. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be the first journalist on that property in 30 years. Yeah. Which he was going to prove me wrong. I walked around that and I'm just going to give you a little recap of how this went, because I think it's important for the, you know, people to understand what you could imagine how I had to stay level-headed. I had to, you know, I knew the facts, but I was going to listen to what he had to say. Um, it was very awkward. He was donned in his, uh, cowboy hat with the feather mm-hmm. walking around the property. It was a Disneyland tour. I was, first of all, I knew he didn't do the research on me because he started at the beginning. Anthony Sauer came to Kansas City, wanted to buy a property that looked reminded him of the Rhine. I'm like, do you know who you're like? Know your audience. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Like, Like we can skip over all this. Let's just go to the castle, like what it looks like right now. So he was walking around the property. He wanted me to to line up my eye vision toward the foundation so I could see how straight it was. Oh my God. No, I'm not done. This was an out-of-body experience. And then I walked around the side and the back addition that that Eva added um, that had the garage, it's falling to the ground. I mean, like literally falling to the ground. And my editor took this great picture of me just sitting, like poor little me just standing there, like looking up at this, just like what in the actual hell is happening here? Yeah. And he's in the back and he's like, oh, I'm going to take this off and, and rebuild this. I'm going to put in a nice two-car garage back here. And then, blah, blah. and then as we walk around the corner, he points up and he goes, I'm also, you know, I'm going to put uh, some solar panels on, on the castle too. What? Like, what? I, I don't even know what to say. You know what I mean? I'm like, wait, where's the priority here? Like, where's the, like, no, 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 Carl. Like, so we get to the other side of the property um, on the west side, and I'm pointing up to the tower. And at this point, the tower had sustained in 2018 lightning strike. There was a microburst, and it there was some damage to the tower. That's scary. And like he hired somebody to like jerry rig. It almost looks like a half pallet to like support one level of bricks with the other. And there's just bricks missing, and you could see somebody to slap some cement up there to like kind of hold it up. <laughs> And I'm like, where? And I'm looking, by the way, too, on the side of the house, and all of the gutters for the house are just sitting on the side of the house. I'm like, Carl, why are the gutters not on the house? Now, the practical answer to that as a historic preservationist is that the wood is so rotted, Bob, there's no way to attach the gutters to the house. Sure, right, right. right. I mean, I know that, but Carl's like, oh, they're just down. I was cleaning them out. I'm going to put them back up. Like any you don't time take through? gutters down to clean them out. You just leave them up there and you go through with your hand and you throw the stuff on the ground and you call it a day. I Yeah, I know. So then he's telling me the microburst and nobody will give him any money. This was his thing. Nobody will give him any money. Nobody's offered him a nickel. Nobody's going to give him any money. I He applied for grants through the state and they denied him the grant. And, and this is the most historic house in all of Kansas and nobody will help him. And I'm like, I would love to see that grant because I know how hard it is to get a grant approved. So I'm sure this one was quite the doozy. And you can imagine the state's probably looking at this going, we're not going to give money to this guy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, what's he going to do with it? 
So anyway, so it was a surreal experience. And by the end of the meeting, it did not go well. Um, I, Bob, you and I have known each other for a long time. We're friends. You know, I'm pretty level-headed. I don't lose my cool pretty easy. And I certainly don't lose my cool in public. Um, I lost it. I was standing in front of the house and I'm staring. There's a great picture of me, like begging him, like, look at it, Carl. It's falling down. It needs over $1 million in work. It is falling down. He's like, you're mistaken. It's fine. Everything's fine. Oh God. And then, so you're dealing with a delusional figure as well, which is even more, you know, like uh, frustrating, I guess. uh, There is no, there was no reasoning with him. I, there's a big sign in the front that was erected about the time that A.L. Huber got involved. And I've heard he didn't pay for the sign, but I don't know if that's true. Uh, But he, a big sign that says Sour Castle and it says Family Restoration Project. And it says that there's a family trust. And so I I started hounding him. Is there, because I was told by his own family, he didn't know at this point that I had talked to his mom's first cousin. Mm -hmm. You know, I kept that in my pocket, you know? Um, And he's like, I knew that there was no, family trust. There was nothing set up. He had never asked anybody to be involved at all. And then he has the sign out front that says family trust restoration project, which I know is just a thorn in the side of his family. Right. We're mortified. So I was like, what about the sign? You say there's a trust. What, what, if there's a trust then people can donate, where's the trust? Is it legally set up? And you and I know about trusts and, and setting up legal organizations. And he finally admitted and finally admitted there is no trust. So that sign that's been out there since 2000 is a blatant lie Yeah, and is there to make it sound like he's going to do something. And now it's all faded. It matches. I mean, if I had got onto that property and this property was finally out of the hands of him, the first thing I would do is use that for firewood. Mm -hmm. It is a, it's a, it's a, it's just a joke. So you can imagine I now, after meeting him, I was like, okay, game on. Like I am now in for the long haul. So I had I published on my blog my experience along with the fact that I talked to his several cousins, specifically Victoria. I'm sure that he has a soft spot for family, so I'm sure that burned. But you know what? You need to know the truth, and you're not listening to anybody. So whatever. Right. So that so the tax sale was you know scheduled for December, and everybody of course gets all excited, and it's always the same letdown because he goes to the judge and files an appeal and was able to get some judge to put him on another payment plan which I hear, I believe he's defaulted on at this point. Mm -hmm. So in December, 2020, the city goes in, this is just great. City goes in with a warrant for boarding and securing the premises because the windows are broken, all of this. And they, and you know, they gave him multiple warnings. You have to secure the property and he didn't do it. So December 14th, city officials show up with a dozen police cars. Carl won't let him on the property. Finally, the police get on the property. He's got a gun with him. He's walking around with a gun in his pocket. He's saying it's outrageous that they're doing this. This is his family's legacy. Uh, He told the Kansas City Star, this is my favorite. This is my favorite thing. I talked to Mike Hendricks from the Star. He told the Star that it was very disappointing because, quote, he was getting ready to put all the Christmas ornaments on the castle. What? What Christmas ornaments? Is this a is this a is this a tradition that's been going on for over a hundred years where you decorate the castle? Yeah. Trim the, the the trimmings of the tree on the castle. Oh. It's I mean, just 
I don't know what to say. And so he, I mean, this was quite the scene. So he's assessed $4,520 just for securing the castle. You can imagine that just goes on to be tens of thousands of dollars in special assessments he has now. So in April, so that was in December. Okay. In April, they were worried about the structural integrity of the tower well, because sure. they're seeing that. So the city warns them again, you need to show a report from a structural engineer. You need to come up with a plan. You got to repair this. It's a danger. Can you imagine if a four-story tower fell? That's going to be a problem. Yeah, major problem. So, so April 19th, they were worried. So they go with a warrant to assess the damages of the tower. So they're going to go up with a drone. They, they had a crane and some things that didn't end up working out. Carl's out there with a gun again, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they're working to build a report. Is he living on the land at this point in time? That's a great question. So he comes in and out of town. So he does, he has a caretaker. Nobody can live in the castle, although he's still going inside the castle from my understanding, but even though it's boarded up, um, he is not in the castle. Remember he owned that house next door. That was also a family property. Yeah. So that's where his caretaker lives. So the caretaker lives next door. And so when, when Carl comes to town, he, goes and stays at the caretaker's house. What's the caretaker do? Obviously not taking care of the property. Um, I can't really answer that except, you know, just keeps an eye on things. They always have like, there's always, but how do the cops know when he's there? How does he know when the cops are going to be there to show up with all this stuff? If he's in New York city, most of the time, how is this like, how is he always seemingly there when people are showing up? Well, notification would be, you know, they have to give proper notice. And so notification is usually posted on the castle itself. And mm-hmm. so the caretaker would let him know gotcha. right, if this, that a notification. And then there's always a period of time you have to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also Carl Lop has been in town a lot more. He's not working a lot these days. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he's here a lot more than he used to be. I mean, uh, he planted recently his big new thing was planting ivy along the fence line so he could block everybody's view. No. Yeah. And then he also had a plumber out there. I was told by uh, Jason Simmons who talked to Carl directly. He had a plumber out there uh, and was looking at uh, how to get the fountain in front running again. Like where are your freaking priorities? Right. The tower is a problem. So anyway, they assess the tower. They, the structure, they're going to get a report together to see what has to be done. And, the the city specifically told KCTV5 they were worried about the bricks that would give way. Carl says it's ridiculous. Everybody's blowing this out of proportion. He tells he says that he has his own engineers that said it was structurally sound, blah, blah, blah. Oh, all the repairs that need to be done in the castle are purely cosmetic. He also told me it'd take two years to repair it when I saw him. So that's funny. 33 years, 33 years. So he says a dozen b- bricks need re- replacing. That's it. 68 days later, Bob, I counted the days. 68 days later, June 27th, I get a notification from some people that the neighbors heard a crash and looked outside and saw that the front porch, the one that A.L. Huber had started working on, you know, on the west side, had partially collapsed. Oh, geez. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I go out. And I make a Facebook live on my writing page, uh, the new Santa Fe trailer on Facebook. And I like, this is what happens when some people don't need nice things, you know? And you could see some bricks on the front porch, but you couldn't really tell how it felt. You know, we had a lot of rain in that period of June. So I maybe thought that, you know, when you don't, you know, cure wood, it eventually falls apart. So maybe that was it. 
Well, it became clear a day later. Now I told I, the news was out there and I was Fox four. I talked to them the next day. And really we, you know, the front porch was kind of cleaned up at that point, but still, I mean, it fell and we couldn't really tell what had happened, but then some drone footage came in and it became very clear that the tower where that little jerry rigged wooden part, all of that had fallen. So what had caused the front porch to collapse were bricks from the four story tower falling on it. Oh no. Yeah. Oh boy. So now if you look at the west side of the tower, you can see directly there is nothing between the staircase and the outside. It is completely open to the elements. Uh-huh. Like two layers of bricks gone. Now remind you, 68 days before, Carl said it was structurally sound and there's no problem with it, right? Uh-huh. So the castle's front porch, the tower, you know, fell. So at this point, he's been cited 25 times since 2019. He owes over $7,500 in delinquent taxes. And because of the tower and it falling partially, the mm-hmm. city has given him 30 days, the date, I think it was the date would be right around that time, right. to develop an engineering plan and begin repairs in the castle. So Carl has an actual ticking clock. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at this point, my pressure at this point, at this point is on the city leaders, commissioners, the mayor, to finally intervene because it is to the point he has, we have 33 years of solid history of this property of the owner who happens to be the great great grandson for whatever the reason has watched this and let this fall into the disrepair it is in so eminent domain can still be used it yes it would have to be for public purposes but what better revitalization could you have for a neighborhood what better you could get you know, a, a, some type of charity to help run it, kind of like they do at Vale Mansion in Independence. Yeah. So, so um, where where do we stand now? I mean, here we are in, in you know the end of summer in 2021. What what's the what's the future? What's the plan here? The engineering plan has to be submitted. Carl has to show that he is he's not in, he hasn't been in town for a while, but he has to show that he is going to structurally repair the tower or the city will intervene and if they do the repair work which is going to be very expensive by the way um it'll be another lien on his property i mean it's getting to the point and this is what makes me nervous just recently a building in downtown Gibbs city which was Sidon fur company which is the oldest fur well you can imagine nobody buys furs anymore but uh it's not in business anymore but it's one of the oldest buildings in downtown kansas city and and broadway the roof just caved in and ironically bob when i was looking into it because i'll probably write about this uh ironically that land was originally owned by anthony's tower oh no way Swear to God. And I'm just like, wow, Anthony's just pissed. (laughs) Now, he didn't build the building. But my point is, the roof just caved in on this property. And we're watching this. And and here, you know, it's now uh, on the demolition plan with the city. And it's one of these things. The goal of Wyandotte County is not to destroy Sour Castle. The goal of Wyandotte County is to see it restored. So everybody has the same mission. It's just that the only person standing in the way of the future of Sour Castle is Carl Clearly, this is a building that needs to be preserved in Kansas City, Kansas, and it sounds like there's a lot of people willing to help preserve it, except for one person who seems to be getting in the middle and not letting progress happen with the Sour Castle. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 